Hello and welcome to another episode of Back of the Grid. I'm sorry, but it's raining quite heavily outside, so we're going to have to wait a while before I start this episode. <laughs> Could you please hold on? We'll be back with you shortly. And then you have but he's serious. a power cut, and then you can't start. <laughs> no, no, we're not allowed to talk about that. We're not allowed to talk about that. We, we, it's because of the weather. Oh, it's the, sorry, Nothing it's to the do weather. with my power. Just it's to do with the weather. Absolutely pouring. It's too treacherous for me to start the podcast. Maybe is it actually yeah, raining there? Raining. Oh. Yeah, I looked out my window as soon as you said it. I was like, "What?" And then I remembered <laughs> that you live like two hundred how, how miles, two hundred miles away from me. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's raining. Um, yeah, it's a Monaco podcast. If that very bad humour wasn't enough to give it away, I'm your host this week, Tom. And I am joined by Chris. Hello. And Stu. Hello. Um, yeah, eventful or not yeah. so eventful. I've, I've mi- mixed <laughs> feelings, really. Like, really mixed feelings, I think, about this race. I think I can understand, like, sort of, if they had issues, then fair enough. But just tell us, you know. So at least then we know. Mm. At least then we understand. And we're not all raging because it looks like you start not starting the race for no good reason. Yeah, if we're gonna like, go straight into it. Then here we yeah, are. Yeah. So I, I guess I guess for context, <laughs> oh, might as well. I guess for context, then like the the initial delay was because of the rain, which mm, I can see the argument for. No, I can't. I can't see that argument. That the argument doesn't stand. Like, I don't think I, I don't agree with it, but I can see the argument. Mm. I guess. Um, but yeah, then we had to sit for an hour waiting for a start. It's it's later transpired that <laughs> all the electrics got fried in the rain, basically, and the, like, the start lights didn't work and various other things. But as you say, Stu, they didn't tell us any of that. Like They sort of sat there looking at it not raining anymore and everyone kind of thinking, well, what are we doing? Like while pit crews were running backwards and forwards, just pushing random tires around in random directions. Like yeah. it was absolute pandemonium. I guess if they had told us that it was an issue with the start lights, then we'd all be expecting them to fix the start lights. But the fact that they yeah. didn't tell us mm. meant that they could take it into their own hands and just start them on a rolling start behind the safety car, which I guess like has, I don't know if this has ever happened before, but like it seems, it definitely seems like they were holding that information away from them so they could like set their own narrative and do things the way yeah. they wanted to do it rather than... Cause I guess- like, it wouldn't be a good look if they were like, oh, we're delaying the start because the start lights are broken. And then we wait an hour and then they still do a rolling start because they haven't fixed it. Yeah, like, that's they'd not... have to commit to fixing it if they yeah. announced that Which... there was a problem with it. Yeah. Which, as it turns out, I couldn't do because, well, the, the red flag restart, they gave two reasons for not doing a standing start. Um one of which being we still don't know if the lights work properly. Yeah. Um, the the other one being there is mixed grip levels on the grid and uh, no, everyone's again, on slick tires. I find that kind of lame as well. I think like in most situations, <laughs> any other uh, track, any track really, like it, yeah, there's a drying line, but if if you're gonna do see, a, if if you're gonna do a a if if the rule is we now do standing starts after red flags and standing starts after safety cars, then do it. You know, I think that, that they should touched... factor that in when they make the rule in the first place. Yeah. I think for me, you've touched on there why I agreed with that one though, is like at any other track, yes, but at Monaco, 
you've still got wet patches, slick tires. It was, it just looked like another red flag waiting to happen if they'd have done a grid restart for me. Mm. And they were already like yeah. pushing up I, against the time. I think they'd rather, I think they just wanted to get the race running again. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I think, enough. I think the rolling start with the safety car and the second one was, I wasn't really questioning what was going on there. Like it made sense. I, I'm kind of with Chris on that one. Um, that because there was like a significantly dry racing line, but then other bits of that straight weren't, it did make sense to just start them in a line behind the safety car. Uh, but yeah, it's the first one. It's just the it's the not knowing, isn't it? Because like everyone looking at what was going on is kind of thinking, well, we've seen we've seen worse than this, and races carry yeah. on, and races not Singapore. stopped and stuff. And then and then eventually. Behind the safety car, there was a torrential downpour again, wasn't yeah, there? Yeah, which I led right? to the massive, long, long red flag. Where, where I, yeah. I guess. Oh yeah, sorry that. Yeah, and yeah. I guess they were trying to like. I, I imagine they were probably trying to fix the start lights at that point, but not telling anyone just led us all to think, oh, they're just no one knows what's going on. It's just waiting for ages. You're, you're thinking of the second. Yeah. Um, Safety. I am doing it the wrong way around. Yeah, after the the red flag for the Schumacher crash, the first, the first restart for me should have been under, should have been under the lights. It should have been a proper start. It shouldn't have been under the safety car. The second one after um, Schumacher accident, yes, because at that point there was like I guess there was like a differing racing line, but I still think even Mm. then I still think if you're going to set a rule, then have the rule live by it. It's like most rules in F1, though, isn't it? It's like this is the rule, except for all of Today. these circumstances when we'll decide it isn't. Yeah, yeah, and we'll just come up with a random but, other rule. Yeah, I think people would have had less of a problem with it though if they'd have just been open about what was actually totally. happening. Because it, like, there's been an electrical issue due to the weather. Therefore, we're looking into the possibility of either fixing the lights or a rolling start from the safety car. We're delaying for. 20 minutes to see if we can fix the lights after that we will just go to a like that's all it would have taken wouldn't yeah. it like explain what the delay is and say the fallback option is a rolling start but we are currently doing everything we can to resolve the problem but this is the this is the deadline on solving that problem and if we don't meet that it goes to a rolling start and i think if they'd just been that open about it people would have probably understood a lot more and had a that lot of made sense kind of gripe with the whole situation the problem, the problem you have there tom is that would have made sense that would have <laughs> been such ah, a yes. sensible thing to do unfortunately and they that don't, doesn't work with really the fia way, usually do they even then like <laughs> if they really wanted to save face they didn't even need to say that much like just say there's some electrical troubles because of the rain we're trying to fix it like you don't even need to tell us it's to do with the start lights just yeah. tell us something like I, it almost yeah. it didn't even feel like they told the teams like the teams were just running around in circles. Like even they didn't seem to know what was going on. Yeah, and the other crazy thing is, yeah. is you're outside and you've got all these electrical <laughs> systems. Your Formula One, like, how, like what how, is this water not, coming from the sky? Yeah, how have you have you never experienced rain before? Like every circuit they go to is outdoors <laughs> and they're all waterproof. So <laughs> yeah, like. I think the whole thing's just farcical, isn't it? It's ridiculous. I saw multiple people say during that time, did they learn nothing from Spa last year? And yeah, <laughs> I said that, yeah. I, I I said it's Spa all over again. Yeah, 
it kind of, of had shades. No didn't transparency. It? No one knows what's going on, and all because of a all because of this this moist stuff coming well, out of the sky. <laughs> ridiculous. Sorry, I swore. Do, then it's ridiculous. The the one thing that I think they did learn is they made sure that they didn't start the race before they were ready to start the race, thus forcing a lack of points scenario just for the sake of starting yeah. it. That's the one thing they did learn from Spa. But even then, there were moments where, like, one time in screen said the race had started and another one didn't. Like, yeah. it was like, by the rules, the race True. hasn't started, and yet the time yeah. in screen say we've done two laps. Like, I, I will say that's probably more of a quirk of the, of the systems, uh, the broadcast systems, yeah, the like, timing screens and all that. Like, it's kind of yeah. very, very, very complex stuff, all that, the way it, it's all interlinked oh, yeah, no, and things. Fair. And as soon as you change one thing, there's just a knock-on effect and it affects everything else. So it makes it's, it's a really, really, really messy, complex nest of systems. So I, that I can understand when, when things aren't exactly... It is quite, when you get these sort of unique situations arising, you can't mitigate against everything. So that I, I don't really mind that sort of stuff. It's the fact that the the basics they didn't get the basics right. Keep the yeah. equipment dry. Mm. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Just it's mental. raining. Should we put something over all this technology? Yeah, yeah I mean they'll put an umbrella. They'll put an umbrella over the driver. <laughs> But they won't waterproof the start lights. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> crazy. Are allowed that, what what do they call the things? The the quick quick canopies or something. Oh yeah. Quick oh, because those gazebo things. They like yeah. yeah yeah. Teams are allowed those, but the lights aren't allowed any. Yeah. Like <laughs> easy ups. Thanks. Just Jeff. Easy anyway ups. anyway. Easy ups. We're, we're laboring this now. We need to we need to talk about the actual race. I think. Yeah. Let's talk about how Ferrari screwed it up basically yeah let's like, do it there's so much going on i've just done some like big bullet points and i think the big bullet point we're gonna mostly talk about is how on earth did ferrari lose that race like i don't think anyone's in any doubt that they were the fastest team over the whole weekend um you know yeah i think that's fair look, to say look that way didn't it yeah. i mean yeah. they were um, leclerc was like half almost half a second quicker than yeah. Stappen at points so yeah, what do we know what Verstappen's lap was like before the incident in Q three with Perez and Sainz? Was it a decent lap? Rem- could it could it have challenged? If I remember rightly, it was better but not spectacular. Like I think if he'd have had a fantastic second half of the lap, he might have troubled Sainz for second. But I don't mm. think Leclerc was ever really at risk. So, so basically, he's improving his own time, but probably not challenging Leclerc. Yeah, like m- maybe even not Perez actually. Right. Yeah. Um, so we didn't lose anything there, really. No. So I guess, like, let's just like do the facts of what happened and then pick it apart. So obviously, everyone started on wets. Um, Perez was the first of the front runners to blink and pitted for Inters on lap sixteen. Um, at that point, he was a couple of seconds, two or three seconds behind Signs, and another five seconds behind Leclerc. Um, he came out and was instantly very fast because everyone would kind of be watching Gasly because I think Gasly was the first to go to Winters and Gasly was also looking very quick. Mm. Ferrari waited an additional lap. So Perez picked on lap 16. Uh, Leclerc came in lap 18, um, as did Verstappen, also both to Winters. But in those two laps, Perez was able to basically overturn an eight-second deficit to Leclerc and come out ahead. Yeah. Um, signs around the same time 
decided he wanted to commit to going from wet to straight to slicks. Uh, he stayed out until lap 22, which is when we had the radio communication confusion with Leclerc and they ended up double stacking, um, both on slicks. Signs ended up with trap position to Leclerc as a result. Rebels double stacks the following lap, which gave Perez the lead and Verstappen between the um, two Ferraris. Um, and then we had red flag, Red Bulls on mediums and Ferrari on hards. Um, it kind of ebbed and flowed for that last phase, but ultimately they stayed in the same order they were um, to the line. Perez soaking up an awful lot of pressure from science towards the end. Um, mm. And like, I'm going to kind of say what you always say, Stu, which is the secret is always be on the right tires at the right time. And yeah, it's not a secret. It's yeah. not even a secret. It's <laughs> like, I, I would argue that Signs Signs did that. Signs himself yeah. called doing that. Well, the only reason Signs mm. came out behind Perez was because he, on his outlap, got a. Um, I think he got traffic and wasn't able to get. Slow, yeah, slow Latifi. Yeah. Latifi. Latifi was a bit slow getting out of the way to yeah. be lapped. But um, Perez making the call to to pit first was the the key to all of this really he was the undercut was mm-hmm. just mm. insanely strong on those tires and no one really saw it coming and you know part of the secret of of being on the right tires at the right time is knowing what the right tires are for a particular time isn't it and i think a yeah. lot of people didn't it took a while for everyone to sort of figure out what well it took various teams various amounts of time to figure out what tires were the correct ones to be on in that moment and Perez just happened yeah. to, I don't think even knew and they gambled and it paid off. That's it, isn't it? Like, it's not like Red Bull did anything spectacular strategically. They just did what to them seemed to be the right thing at the yeah. right time and just sort of let Ferrari get it wrong around them, basically. Yeah, they like, were flying like by the seat yeah. of their pants at that point. They were just like, well, it yeah. seems that. And they had all the data, probably they had a good eye on the data from Gasly, who's already um, pitted onto the intermediate as well. So they knew that they saw him catch up the rest of the field really, really, really fast. So it did make sense. I, I was surprised more people didn't go onto Inters when they did. I think they yeah. were all trying to eke it out and just do the one stop to get onto straight onto the slicks without having to stop again. But yeah. Um, was the ugh, God? I mean, it was a just such a mishmashy. When when you've got all that in mind, like, how are you supposed to strategize that? Like, how do you? Yeah. You've got yeah. so many different data points coming in all at once in such a short space of time. You can understand, I think, Ferrari not getting the call right and trying to bide their time because the science call of going straight over to the slick tire was also did very quickly become the, the correct call for him. Yeah, because totally. of Perez being so fast on the intermediate, which was at that time the correct tire to be on. So, yeah, it's yeah. I I can't. I think it's going to take a bigger brain than mine to, to <laughs> pick all this. I am. Um, I do wonder if Ferrari are concentrate like worrying too much about what Verstappen was doing. Like I think Ferrari were maybe worried that Verstappen was also going to try. Um, going straight to slicks and they were worried about what he was doing and trying to position Leclerc to not be undercut by Verstappen and in the process just mm. forgot to cover Perez. Yeah, they just took their eye off the ball, didn't they? Mm, they did. 
And like, you're right, like it was obviously a nightmarish strategic situation and everyone was trying different things, but leaving a clear out that extra lap is like the one thing you can point to as like, it, even at the time, it just looked like a massive mistake. Like but, you could call it straight away when he stayed out. Yeah, I mean, it's the communication, yeah. man. The, the, the poor communication mm. at Ferrari this weekend was bad. At one point this weekend... Leclerc was told the pit where it, the message to Leclerc was the pit lane is closed box box. <laughs> I'm not kidding. They literally they yeah sent that was in FP one was it I think I can't remember which session it was now but yeah pit it was lane early is closed, on wasn't it box box she's like <laughs> well no I can't because it's closed <laughs> just yeah what you want me to close you want me to come into a closed pit lane and just immediately get a penalty or something like why what yeah if you're the driver like what why do i need to box if the pit lane's closed am i running out of fuel is there something wrong with the car you know like mm. straight away that that's awful communication in a difficult situation already because it's monaco um yeah and that's yeah. just carried through the entire weekend so we saw it in the race we saw them saying box box no stay out stay out stay out and Leclerc just effing and jeffing down the, understandably effing and jeffing yeah. down the radio. What are you doing, kind of thing? Because that that was the key moment. I think that if he'd managed to stay out and not had to be double stacked, he wouldn't have lost anything like as much time. But the fact, I mean, and to be fair, it wasn't a terrible double stack. Like it, no, it, it wasn't was late actually. in probably three seconds. But like that three seconds in Formula One's a lifetime, obviously. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Ferrari just bad communication, bad teamwork bad not necessarily bad strategy but not the best strategy and just poor performance from the team i think the drivers got everything right this weekend the team let yeah, down absolutely really badly 100% yeah i think the thing as well is that both strategies were actually feasible yeah. which i think got proven by perez and science yeah. like staying out and not going to the inter to wait for the slick was feasible science proved that stopping early for the inter um for the pace of it was feasible yeah. perez proved that what was a complete failure was ferrari's execution of it on the home the close like halfway to nowhere si wasn't he? Yeah. yeah and science got the result he did out of his own stubbornness to stick <laughs> yeah. to what he thought was the right decision and overrule the team. And that's probably the only reason he was on the podium. Had the frantic nature of the team taken over, you'd have probably had like Russell or someone on the podium with the two Red Bulls. I wouldn't have been surprised. Mm. Or no, probably Norris actually. Norris was up there as well, wasn't he? So, but like Norris and Russell were kind of on the back of that train towards the end. And it wouldn't have surprised me if they'd have somehow ended up in front of the Ferraris if it had, <laughs> if they'd have both been listening to to team orders hmm. <laughs> um all of that said like none of that takes away from the job perez did like he was the whole week 100%. the whole weekend he's yeah. been fantastic he's, like had the measure of verstappen the yeah. whole weekend he's been quicker than verstappen the, the entire weekend yeah um yeah. It, it just shows like the main culprit for that seems to be that for whatever reason the way the red bull was working this weekend it wasn't as pointy and on the nose and Mm. Which is which we know is what Verstappen wants in a car, and the second that wasn't there, Perez was quite handily outdoing him, and like, yeah. like yeah, his pace, like the the pressure he soaked up towards the end as well, like was 
It was super impressive. Yeah, really, you say really that, but impressive. then Alonso was doing like five seconds a lap slower That's than anyone true. else and able to hold that up is the, true. the seven-time world champion. So, Yeah, the the defense on the medium tires from the hard, like Ferrari's decision to go on the hard tires for that stint was probably the right mm-hmm. one to try and have fresher tires at the end to be able to attack more. But Perez and Verstappen, for that matter, proved... Monaco is still Monaco regardless yeah. of new regulations because of how big these cars are. It like it almost not obviously not as bad as, but it kind of reminded me of Danny Rick holding everyone behind him with a with half yeah, an engine totally. left or whatever Absolutely. it was. I think yeah. that's, that's like problem. not not to the same extreme, but there were elements of that. Like any other circuit, those Red Bulls being on mediums versus those Ferraris on hards would have probably struggled a lot more. Possibly. Well, the yeah. Ferrari works its tire harder though, doesn't it? So. They're probably True. getting more out True. of the hard tyre than what Red Bull are. But still, at the same time, I think the, the key to all of this is Monaco is is not really, especially now in this new generation of cars, never has Monaco been so not right for a Formula 1 car. Mm. <laughs> like, it, it just doesn't, <laughs> yeah. doesn't work. It was like that race showed that Monaco at its absolute best and worst didn't really, like... Yeah, it gave us all the things that make a Monaco race exciting, but at yeah. the same time, like as exciting as that last kind of fifty minutes of the race was, like I don't know about you, but in the back of my mind, it was like I'm enjoying this, but I know it's going to finish in the order it's in. Yeah, like, I was kind of the I've, same. Like, and the other thing, like, so like, there's the aspect of it was carnage. There was there was all the the the, the sort of the racing in the rain and stuff like that. Like the pressure cooker of of Monaco trying to get round in the wet. Then the, and that's super, super exciting. You're waiting for the next, you know, that's the attrition rate isn't there where you're just waiting yeah. for someone to make a mistake. And then on the other side of it, like towards the end of the race, you've got a huge gap between the top four, the, the next two, and then everyone else. And that, show, that just shows you the, the state of, of Monaco, like that the gap can be that big and there's just a train of cars and no one can overtake mm. anyone. That's not why we watch Formula One, is it? Yeah, and yes, you know, yeah. qualifying in Formula One is a in in uh, in Monaco is an absolute spectacle. It's one of my faves. It is my favorite qualifying session of the year. I get more oh, yeah. excited for so qualifying good. than I do the race at Monaco because it's just. And I say this every year when we have Monaco. Just qualifying is so 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 difficult for the drivers, and if you want to see a Formula One car going. You know, with all the reference points of the streets, if you want to see just how fast they are, and they're not even going as quick as they can go in Monaco, because <laughs> they can go way quicker, but they can't go any quicker than they're going, and they're still going mega, yeah. mega, mega fast. And all those reference points of the streets just make it so much clearer how quick the cars are, and that's so exciting to see for me. So it'd be a shame to lose it, but there has to be something they can do to make it so that cars can get past each other at Monaco because it's not sustainable. Like it, it can't I mean, go on like this. The the trouble is, I, like I I had in the back of my head watching the end of that Grand Prix, like I'd watched the F two feature race earlier in the day. And like the last third of that race, um poor chair was just all over the back of Drogovic. He was clearly like probably a second lap faster. Yeah. Could not find a way past. And it's like if you can't do it in an F two car, the F one guys stand no chance yeah they've so, got to change the track man they've got to put they've got to uh, people hate there isn't much you that. can do though is there, there? Must be. there's got to be i mean it'll take logistical change the, in the in the streets of monaco if they're going to seriously think about keeping uh, it 
But I think the problem is though, you've got buildings and drops. Like exactly. well, there's that's not, what I'm saying. there's not really anything you can do. I think there's a really interesting idea that I had sort of posed to me in conversation over the weekend is what would general consensus be if this was treated more as a time trial mm-hmm. style event in the same way that, for example, rally works or um, hill climbing works and so on and so forth, where essentially, uh, like, I don't know, it's a five-lap sprint per driver setting the fastest average time or total time, whatever it may be, and then you can like work in certain elements of day two. It, yeah, I'm, this has kind of come from I think people's saying. watching IndyCar, the is... and then like, but like day two, you've got a second run, and it's the average of your two nah. runs. You've got a r- runs on Saturday, runs on Sunday, like your best overall, or you take your best overall time from the two, whatever it might be. Like an option similar to IndyCar, where you can basically forfeit one of your runs to have another nah. go like but we have that already if, if you make a mistake you've cr- you it's i don't know qualifying. This, this, this <laughs> we've got that on a saturday but, yeah, but, but what but what were your words like less than five minutes ago qualifying is the best yeah, bit of Monaco, so why not just do it twice and turn it into a full scale event well the reason you don't do it twice is because it det- qualifying determines the grid and probably who's going to win the race you still need to you know, run the race, and if you if you're the fastest in qualifying to achieve the win, it's still a huge, huge, huge difficult thing it to is. do, even if you lead from the front. So, but what we've also said is that the race is virtually pointless at this no, point that's in time. Not, because I, don't, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say the race is pointless. I, I'd I'd say it is. I'd say it is. In all honesty, the the only the only thing that's coming out of the race for me is literally like who happens to pit stop better than like at a better time than the other there's no actual racing involved for me anymore it's about correct pit stops at the correct time or when you've hit back marker traffic and how quickly that back marker traffic gets out of your way in the case of like it, say Sanks. yeah i mean the argument here is like okay it's not it's not it, it doesn't tick most of the boxes that a race normally would but you know on a calendar this long, there's, is there not space to have one race that's like that? You know, mm. I mean, no, I guess I think so. it's a race. Good. It's Formula One racing. It's not Formula One time trial. It's not rally. Like, there, there, there's look, there's a place in my heart for rally. There's a place in my heart for all those kinds of different styles of racing. But they exist and they're great the way they are. And the reason Formula One, oh, I do, is because I, of Formula One being racing. The way it is so i don't even I mean change the format then, though. i just mean like it's it's a very different race with not much overtaking but on a 23 race calendar there's room to have one race that is more of a procession and yeah but i think all that's that's the arg- they need to look at the map and find out how they can if they're going to invest millions in places in um well in uh what's it in <clears throat> in las vegas they're basically buying up real estate in in Las Vegas so they can have a race there why not buy up bits of real estate in Monaco is that going to be well it's probably too expensive for them to buy up real estate in Monaco mm-hmm. but yeah. Monaco want a race and there's a lot of discussion at the moment about like how you know difficult it is for them to get agreement with with a farmer with the FIA to keep running the race 
there's there's sort of all kinds of like weird nuances to Monaco where you know like the the race isn't actually run by form it's run by the the um mm-hmm. auto club de monaco and you know if that if they want to keep that then probably a lot of the discussion is well we'd need to make the circuit better for the cars because the cars it's not fit for racing it's fit for what well, you described tom it's fit for qualifying but yeah actual proper racing it's it's a struggle and yeah it's the, still at the same time it's yeah still the, car, the cars race, are just though. too big there now yeah the cars are too big the cars are just too big yeah um, you could see it as well, I think. You could really see how, yeah. how huge they looked at this circuit. They almost look, even though we know the cars are smaller this year, they almost look bigger, didn't they, this time around? Like, and I'm not sure why that was the case, but... Um, well, because they are bigger. But yeah, like... <laughs> That's well, I'm, well, they're smaller than last year's, though, but they still somehow looked bigger. Are they? Yeah. They're about oh, the same actually. width and slightly yeah. shorter, I think, than last year's. Oh, right. Um, by the by, though. But yeah, like as you kind of touched on, like as things currently stand, that was the last Monaco Grand Prix. There is no contract for next yeah. year, and like from what from what has been said, it sounds like a lot of it is like Monaco and F one kind of butting heads on it, and it's it it basically seems like um, the organizers of the race just won't budge on anything and like we talk about track changes like um the outside of portier the corner before the tunnel over the last five ten years i've done a huge amount of land reclamation over there there's just yeah. there's new land on the outside mm-hmm. of that corner yeah now. true perfect opportunity then to let's build the road so you can extend the track out there a bit maybe just have like a big wide hairpin for overtaking down there and I think, you know, F1 suggested this and Monaco were just like, no, this, this is the track. And F1 wants mm-hmm. to take the, broad, you know, the direction of the broadcasting back because it's been shocking the last few years. And they're just like, no. And ultimately, at this point, like F1 have just called Monaco's bluff. It's like, well, if you, if you want to stay on the calendar, yeah. something has to change and you can't just have special treatment yeah. forever kind of thing. Um, I mean, there is there is ways. There's definitely like plenty of. I mean, it's obviously very hilly because it's on like a cliff face, isn't it? But yeah, with all the land reclamation they've been doing and stuff like that, I there has to be like some. I'm not a civil engineer, but there has to be some way of changing. The that trouble circuit. is with that new land; it's already too late because they're already just filling it with apartment blocks. <clears throat> like the opportunity was there to build it with this in mind, and now it's like, nope, tracks, <laughs> tracks, the track. And it's already too late to use that land. So, Crazy. yeah, I, I mean, I, I still, I will still be extremely surprised if we get to the calendar for next season and Monaco is not on there. But something's going to have to give because I don't think F one, I don't think F one needs Monaco as much as Monaco think F one needs it. I think these days, I think you're right. Yeah. I think there was a time probably 10 years mm-hmm. ago where that wouldn't be true. But I think nowadays, like I think when you've got events like Miami, um, which as mental as Miami was, it was a heck of an event. Um, mm-hmm. you, you know, Circuit of the Americas, Vegas is going to be mental. Um, all these all these American circuits showing up. Um, and then you've got Jeddah as well showing up. Like they're all, you know, they're new events, but they're... I mean, they, they always call this the the sort of the the jewel in the crown of Formula One, Monaco, don't they? That's that's always been the phrase. But 
is it now? Like every <laughs> year it seems to like come in for loads of criticism. Even if there's yeah. a good race there, it gets criticized really badly. So <laughs> it's yeah. It I don't know, man. No. <laughs> I wanna I'm gonna drag us kicking a screwing back to the race. Oh yeah, the um, race. <laughs> yeah. So yes, four wins in a row now for Red Bull which I don't think is anything like what we would have expected post-testing, but here we go. Uh, Verstappen extends his lead in the drivers to nine points ahead of Leclerc now. Um, and Perez is now only six points behind Leclerc himself and only 15 points off Verstappen. Um, Christian Horn saying over the weekend that Perez is very much in the uh, hunt for this championship as well, which <laughs> is... is he? Rich, a little rich after what happened in the last race, but uh, yeah, it'd probably be a little bit more in the hunt for the championship if he'd given him the opportunity to actually I'm race. I was about his to say, be very, if you allowed him, be a bit different if they had, yeah. Um, right, a couple of other things around the leaders to talk about. We've sort of touched on it already, but Ferrari have been sort of putting a thin veil on them trying to blame Williams for them losing this race. Um, so both Ferraris got held up by both Williams at pretty crucial points in the race. Um, Albon was one of the ones that went from wet straight to slicks and he ended up just ahead of Leclerc after his pit stop. Um, he had blue flags for literally an entire lap from the pit exit to turn one, he was driving past blue flags with a clerk behind him. Um, and in the end, the only reason the clerk got past was because Albon outbraked himself and took the escape road into turn one. Um, Albon, after the race, said um, that he felt he had a massive pace advantage and so he would take three corners to let him pass and then I would have been straight away quick enough to re-overtake again. And you gain a position where, in my eyes, for both of us, it was quicker if I just stayed ahead which Leclerc very much disagreed <laughs> with. Um, and then Signs after his pit stop, came out basically alongside Latifi, but Signs on fresh tyres couldn't really get the power down, so Latifi pulled ahead. Latifi was getting blue flags straight away, and he didn't move aside until Portier on the entrance to the tunnel. Um, yeah. Ferrari reckoned it cost Signs about second and a half, maybe 1.7, which may well have been enough for Signs to get the lead. Um, there was not even like a hint of any sort of interest in it from the stewards. Um, I mean, I'll say up front, Williams didn't lose Ferrari that race. Ferrari lost Ferrari that race. Yeah. But that being said, I would like to know what happened to the past three blue flags and you get a penalty rule. Yeah, I've seen that. A, I saw a few of those, like well, wa- flags waving and waving yeah. and waving at drivers, and them just not letting people through this weekend. I mm. guess they're more lenient because it's because it's Monaco. That's going to be the phrase, isn't it? it? It kind of is, like, and that's fair up to a point, but a whole lap, like, and it's all right saying, "Oh, well, I was fast at that point, so I'd just be in a position to re-overtake him again." It's like, but you wouldn't because it's Monaco, and you don't just re-overtake. You don't just unlap yourself because you're faster. Like, it's hard enough to yeah. overtake someone, let alone unlap yourself. And hmm. I don't know. I thought it was pretty poor from, and like Williams, to their credit, were on the radio in both cases, telling the drivers they were getting blue flags, and just neither of them seemed to make much effort to get out of the way and. 
Like, it was as recent as Portugal last season, we saw someone get a penalty for ignoring blue flags. So it's not like it's yeah. not there anymore. It just seemed really weird. I can, I can understand Ferrari's frustration with it. Yeah, I can understand the frustration, but you're right, though. Like, they didn't lose it because of this. They lo- they mm. wouldn't have been in this situation if they'd got the strike right in the first place. So it's kind of smacks of finger pointing to me, really. They sort of, I guess they put themselves in a position to be vulnerable to something like that. Yeah, hurting exactly. them. Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, weird one, though. I'd, li- I'd like to sort of hear something some explanation of why they didn't feel the need to investigate or penalise any of that. Yeah, and it, I mean, when you watch the onboard from Leclerc, it's quite clear that there were plenty of opportunities Albon oh, loads. to let him through. Yeah. Like, loads. Like, so. it's a hard track to overtake on, but it's still not that hard that you can't let someone by. <laughs> yeah. Um... And then the next thing to talk about regarding the leaders was the pit exit line. Mm. So Ferrari protested both Red Bulls after the race for crossing the pit exit line. Um, If you look at the footage, Perez touched the line but didn't actually cross it. And Verstappen sort of went, ran fully onto the line and some of his, both of his left-hand side tyres were partially over the line. The uh, the explanation for why neither got a penalty is bizarre, <laughs> um, and it's centered around a rule a rule change that I didn't know actually happened. So, up until the end of last season, the rule was any line painted on the track at the pit exit for the purpose of separating cars leaving the pits from those on the track, but must not be crossed by any part of a car leaving the pits. Over the winter, that rule changed to any tyre of a car exiting the pit lane must not cross any line. So by the new wording, it's only a penalty if an entire tyre, an entire tyre, if if a whole tyre crosses the line, then it's a penalty. But you can run all but a little bit of a tyre over that line and it's not a penalty. So it has to be... And then to confuse... on. So if it's on the line, it's fine. But if it's over the line... Yes, but an entire yeah. tyre has to completely cross the line for it to be a penalty. By what? by the regulation that was cited. Yeah. Yeah. Which what was it? What, how, is that, that, that's, how is that different from last year? Last year... The... Because, because last previously, before the article was updated, it was... If anything, even remotely crosses so if it the line, touches the line, basically crosses the line. Well, not necessarily touches. Cross like they they basically redefined what crosses mean. So right. yeah, if, I was gonna say because they said crosses. Say, this, say the outside, crosses this year and crosses last say, year. So what's the difference? No, it's to do with the whole wheel crossing. So previously, if the outside edge of the tire extended past the line, would be a penalty. Now it has to be the entire tire, as Chris the entire tire, the entire tire title. <laughs> I, that <laughs> uh, seems like, but that—that's the change. And here, here, here in itself is the problem. This, this is where the problem lies because Ferrari's protest centers around the race director's notes for the event, because the race director's notes for the event cite 
the article within the regulations, which has, by that ruling, they would neither of them would get a penalty. So what the outcome is correct. Well, if that's the correct. But outcome. the wording, but the wording of the race director's notes suggests the old ruling to do with if you basically even remotely cross so the any line, part of the car goes it's across a the outer yeah. edge of the line, yeah. then you're in and trouble. Do you want to know the delightful excuse for this? Go on, I'd love to cat here. Can't wait. Can't wait. Um. Because I copied and pasted it from last year, mate. What is that? What the that's basically the, yeah. Basically, that is the excuse. Yeah. That that section of the regulate the director's notes, sorry, were copy pasted from last season, and still reference the same part of the regulations. However, were not updated to match the fact that that regulation had been altered. That's that the excuse. Like a really kind of lame excuse to me. Like, uh, it's a very lame. It's a very lame excuse. And I think I think when you read the when you read the event director's event notes, Ferrari like have a I guess a right to say, well, you've not adhered to what you've yeah. said here. Mm. But it because it's lazy from them really to not have it match. Well, it regulation. Just... I, it's as though no, it's as though nobody except the person that updated the article and regulations knows it changed. Because <laughs> I didn't know it changed. Chris didn't know it changed. Ferrari didn't know it changed. I doubt even Red Bull knew it. Yeah, changed. It's almost as if it would like... be bad to penalise <laughs> someone who'd won their first Monaco, and there was a load of social media and well... everything went out immediately <laughs> after the race celebrating mm-hmm. the first Mexican in however many years. The only Mexican actually to... was he the only Mexican to win in Monaco. Yeah, so. yeah, he is. Um, probably I also yeah. social media man like it's things like social media and just like it's the you know what you know what causes this it's the it's the specter of um, reality TV that's taken over Formula 1 that leads to these kinds of decisions <laughs> I think because spectre. like do you know what causes this is incompetency in the FIA well, and that that's what causes this that. but I think a lot of it is like oh we, we didn't roll back on decisions i think really to be honest actually you know what it's probably a good thing they haven't rolled back the decision because no one wants to watch a sporting event and then go home and no. read oh the, the result isn't the result actually the thing i celebrated no exactly what i should have been celebrating so really what should have happened in the first place they should have investigated this whole thing during the race there was nothing to stop them investigating this during the race um from well for me that i don't i don't believe it's it's a pretty like I- Drastic I think thing. the thing as well, so though, should have been investigated. Yeah, I think the thing is that it was it was more prevalent a problem with Verstappen than it was Perez because, from what I remember of the footage, Perez touched the line but didn't even like remotely cross it. And the difference with Verstappen was part of his tire it was across the line, across the line towards the end of it. So. Verstappen, by the old article in the regulations, would have probably had a penalty. I think Perez would have gotten away with it because he touched the line, but not literally nothing went over, not even the outside edge of the tyre. From what I remember of the footage, could be wrong on that. So no, I you're stand cr- to be corrected are, by social media. But um, yeah, I, I mean, so. Like- so it wouldn't it wouldn't have changed the result of the win. But let's put it that way, it wouldn't have altered that. All it would have done is got Leclerc on the podium with science, yeah. realistically. Yeah, and like lame excuses aside, I don't really understand why they've changed that rule. Like, that's that's not a 
insignificant difference. Like the tires are so wide, like that's quite a lot more car that's allowed to cross the pit exit line. And <laughs> can, if you look to place like the Monaco, imagine, yeah, like, I just don't. Be- I don't believe this. Can you imagine like people chancing that now? You'd know if they'd changed that rule. Like they no, they, just... they they have. It's there. They they hundred percent have. Just, I want to see. It just seems very. To just seems to very quietly go under the radar when they were making all the other like bigger rule changes after Abu Dhabi last year. So just Very so strong. I'm clear, so so I'm clear. Like no one knew about this until Monaco weekend, and they've they've said, "Oh no, it's not the rule." Actually, well, what the rule is that you'll find is is it's if the t- this, this is if a full tire it was, it was, goes over the line, rather than if a, if part of the tire goes over the outer edge of the line, we've changed it so that you need a full tire to go over the line now, right? The rule was already there. That's just no. Yeah, one the rule the rule was there. It, it's just been reworded and changed. So if it's, it's a new rule. But it's not. It's obviously not been. Not for this weekend, though. It's a new. It's, well, it's change no. rule for this season. No. It's always been there since the beginning of the season. It's Why just no one seemed to. So yeah. no one's in that, just no one's paid attention yeah. to it in the media. Not like not none yeah. of the commentators and no. on the but, media seem to know this rule had changed either. But you can go back and look. To me. <laughs> yeah, really it's dodgy. very weird. Like, it sounds. It, it sounds like nobody actually read anything that had changed after the Abu Dhabi report. Basically. Yeah, I mean, I like, don't know what this, no, got, since, What's this since, got to do with the Abu Dhabi report, though. Because it's, it was all changed as part of the rewrite after the Abu Dhabi report. When they said, we're going to reassess this, the regulations and make appropriate adjustments. Basically, as soon as that was said, everyone went, oh, well, that's them doing nothing mm. then. And, like, basically nobody's actually it, to well, me, it just seems been like through what's been seemed, changed. Nobody's reported like on it. It's the sort of thing that the sort of the really nerdy Formula One presenters, like, you know, like David Croft mm. and stuff like that, they'd pick up on something like that. I, feel I would like have they, thought they, so they'd, as they'd well. Gone, they'd have been at absolute pains to say that during the race. So I, I can only imagine, mm. like, everyone was so focused on the rule changes and the personnel changes that related to Abu Dhabi at the time. It just flew under the radar. So like, it's the just only a, explanation. A, a, a schism within f1 that people have just it's a not phantom noticed. rule change yeah, yeah it's so bizarre yeah you got to remember though as well i guess this is the thing to know as well is this is the isc isn't it which is the international sporting code which doesn't necessarily apply to just formula one yeah. Am I right? In, I'd be right in saying. Yeah, there's the international sporting like, code, and then there's the F1 sporting regulations that like sit on top of it. Yeah. So the thing, the thing to bear in mind with this is this is the ISC, which I assume can't remember if they go as far as to say open wheel versus sports car, but definitely like circuit racing as a whole like there's an isc for circuit racing there's one for rally there's one yeah. for rally cross yeah there's, there's, so there's different different uh sporting codes for different sectors of motorsport but what's been changed is not explicit to formula one which is possibly why it's gone a little bit more under the radar as in terms of a change because it's not the fia formula one regulations it's the international sporting code for like i can't remember if it's open wheel racing or circuit racing it's one yeah. or the other and i believe that's where it's actually referenced to um but yes it all came to nothing no penalties results stands uh i'm gonna quick fire a few other people from down the grid <laughs> um george russell continues his run of top five finishes um 
resisted some pretty hefty pressure from Norris in the closing laps um, after Norris switched to fresh tyres and went on just fastest lap after fastest lap. Russell remains fourth in the Drivers' Championship, unbelievably. Still a point ahead of Sainz, which probably says more about the season Sainz is having or as much about the season Sainz is having as the season Russell's having, but there we go. Um, Yeah, Alonso, we kind of already mentioned. He... After the red flag restart, he drove so slowly that Norris was able to pull enough of a gap to pit and stay ahead of him. Um, he said he said he had to do it because it was the only way he could make the mediums hang on to the end. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> which, yeah, I don't know about that, Nando. Um, poor old Hamilton spent the first half of the race looking at Ocon's rear wing and then the second half of the race looking at Alonso's <laughs> rear wing. Yeah. He's got a good affinity with the rear end of the Alpine. Yeah, I, I didn't love that. Like, it was quite just negative driving, wasn't it, from Alonso? It was just a bit. Yeah. Mm. I mean, if I, you have I, any I, proof that Monaco is not fit for Formula One cars, the fact that he could do that and not be overtaken, like, kind of says it all. Yeah. I, I, there was definitely, like, it felt a little bit like F1 sticking up, uh, sorry, Alonso sticking up the middle finger to Monaco almost, didn't it? It's just like, I'm going to do what I want to do, <laughs> yeah. I don't really care about it. But like Alpine in general just seemed to be wrecking everyone else's races <laughs> this weekend. So, yeah, it was really, yeah. that that whole thing was just so, so, so strange to me. Like, why would you, mm. I guess he obviously doesn't, he knows he's not going to catch Russell, he knows he's not going to catch Norris, so he's not going to be fighting for any more position than what he's got. He knows he can keep the car behind for as long as he likes. So why not save your tyres and things? But I agree with that, that sentiment. Negative driving is like definitely what I would call that. I don't think it was... It was almost needlessly slow. It was almost too slow. Like five seconds slower yeah. a lap. And no one needs to preserve... The, no one needed to preserve tyres that badly this weekend. It was weird. No. Really weird. It, I mean, definitely, it's like a bit of a middle of finger up to Monaco, and a, probably a bit of a middle finger up to Mercedes and Hamilton as well. So. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> Don't care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He even said um, in an interview afterwards it wasn't his problem. So yeah, <laughs> it was. It was just peak Alonso, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, Ocon and Hamilton mm-hmm. apparently had two comings together. We only actually saw one on TV, um, which yeah. is the one that Ocon got a five-second penalty for and a point on his license. Um, I think that was probably fair, that penalty. Yeah, he shut the door a bit, didn't he? Did. he? And like, kind of cut yeah, across. Yeah, he did shut the door, I would say, yeah. Like, it was, like Hamilton, Hamilton didn't have... was more than two-thirds the way up the car. He, you know, he knew it was there, and he just... He had enough alongside, didn't he? Yeah, plenty. I think I would say yeah. so. This is not fanboy, yeah. but this is any anyone. If that had been Verstappen up the inside, someone that to him, I'd say exactly the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> To be fair, I think the only person who had a problem with the penalty yes. was yeah. <laughs> which tells a <laughs> story. Anyone else so. who had an issue with it? <laughs> um, quick mention for Bottas. So Bottas missed almost all of FP one with an MGUK issue. That's the fourth race in a row Bottas has missed at least one practice session, which is fairly grim reading for Alfa Romeo. Um, mm. He was out in Q2, started 12th, but despite all that, he did a one-stop, finished ninth. He was the only driver that started outside the top 10 to finish in the points. So, oh, well done, pretty, pretty decent driving well there. Done. Um, well done. And then I guess last driver to mention is poor old Mick Schumacher had a 
big old crash. Yeah, that's the second the one flag. of those is snapped in half this year, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's mm. like it looks. It looks like a much more dramatic crash than it was because the cars are kind of designed to break in half these days. But it like initially, Mick was saying that he just didn't understand what happened after the race. He said he basically like ran five or ten centimeters wider than usual, and that was enough to just have no grip and stick it in the wall. Um, Crazy. Gunter Steiner seemed extremely frustrated by it afterwards. Um, he said it's not very satisfactory having a big crash again. We need to see how we move forward from here. And Mick is costing them quite a lot in crash damage, isn't he, this season? Yeah. Yeah. Say it quietly. It's, yeah. It's like, I think everybody wants him to succeed, but the longer the year goes on, the trickier it is to defend him, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, especially a weekend when the Haas like, seem to have all right pace. Um, I mean, to be fair, the pace did fall off come qualifying. Um, but even so, it's difficult. Not, not, not good. Not good at all. And in a cost cap era... It's just not what you need, is it? Yeah. Our silence here yeah. is deafening. <laughs> yeah, like I just I want him to turn a corner, I want him to do well and Yeah, just please, not be please be better. Please be better. Yeah. Please stop crashing, Mick. <laughs> please be great. That's what this, just give us what we want. <laughs> just give the people what it's they want. Pretty easy to ask, yeah. It's pretty easy to ask. Um Right, should we do some awards? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let's go driver of the day, first of all. I mean, I think there's a few candidates, to be fair, but I feel like there's one more obvious than everybody else. Who's that, then? Mr. Perez. Yeah. I think... I think think it's hard not to give it to the Being involved in the strategy, yeah. Being involved in the strategy the way that he was, seeing it out the way that he did... Yeah, putting himself in that position in the first place by, to be fair, having a storming weekend all the way around, yeah. like being faster than his teammate yeah. all weekend with Max Verstappen in the other car, that is definitely no easy feat. So I think for me overall, like especially when you factor in the weekend at large, it's a it's a blinder for Perez. Mm-hmm. Couldn't have done it any better. And and I think the the thing that's really interesting on this is from looking at the championship standings from when we were talking about Amelia. I'm pretty sure that if they'd have not reversed the cars last time, he'd actually be above Leclerc yeah, now in the t- in the standings, <clears throat> which is a bit of a shot in the foot for. Uh, it's one or the other, isn't it? Like, yes, they could have leapfrogged Leclerc and been one two, but uh, yeah, what's better, Max having more points or having a car between him is is a bit. Yeah, it's a hit and miss, isn't mm-hmm. it? But but both have got their own advantages. Yeah. So. Well, I think you know going into but yeah, I, th- I think Perez going overall. Into future races, Perez will be re- winning races despite F one, whereas uh, despite Red Bull, whereas <laughs> Verstappen yeah. will be winning races because of Red Bull. It's a very good way of putting it. Yeah, um, um, yeah, but yeah, absolutely, I agree with all that. I think Perez is the driver of the day. I, yeah. I th- Maybe you could, I think you much, could give science a, a shout. But. I was going to say, much like the race, I think science is a close second for like calling the strategy himself and nearly winning the race 
with it. Yeah. But yeah, ultimately, Perez, Perez won the race completely on merit. Like he, he, he aced it. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Excellent. That was a nice, easy one. Um, move of the day. I mean, there were some. <laughs> There were some, but I think a lot of the candidates are more like how people avoided not being in the wall <laughs> yeah. more than overtaking somebody else. So, I mean, what what have we got on the list? Um, what have we got on the list? We've got we've got Science's save, which was down the start finish straight when he hit the wet and made it look like he was channeling his father in the car with a big old tank slapper that he saved from the wall. Um. There's Joe's save when oh was he trying to it was Sonoda yeah. he was trying to overtake wasn't it coming out of the tunnel that was and Sonoda wild. I think breaked a little earlier than he thought he was going to and in trying to swing out from behind him to to avoid going into the back of him again got his own little tank slapper on and uh, had to kind of I guess dive through the runoff or whatever you want to call it at the bottom. Um, instead of doing the chicane normally. And I think the highlight of that was actually his radio yeah. message where <laughs> somebody came on the radio and said something like, wow, that was mad. I need new pants now. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a good one. Um, you got Gasly overtaking Ricardo uh, on the entry to swimming pool. Um, I mean, there was a very significant difference in tyres at that time, which Gasly was on the much faster inters, whereas Ricardo was still on wet. So... There is that, but it's not an easy place to overtake regardless all. of that, I think, is it? Um, and then another Gasly one was um, going through, going up the inside of Joe into Mirabel, uh, which I think they, they were they were running the same tyres at that yeah, point. Yeah, that's that, that one's a bit, on bit more even, even situation. So, yeah, I, some interesting I candidates there. The Gasly on Joe was my, my favourite. Yeah, I think I'm leaning that way as well. Like, the, the the saves are spectacular. It's like, do you reward someone for kind of essentially correcting making a mistake, mistake. And not crashing? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As spectacular as they, they were, they were for mention. Um, they're definitely were for mention, but they're not. Oh yeah, moves. They're not yeah. moves even really. They're just saves. So and you could have a save. I do think. Yeah, I think like Gazi getting past Ricardo was very impressed like i don't remember last time i saw someone overtake there but as you say like the tire difference was huge at that point Mm. either way though i think it's gasly yeah yeah i think i think the thing that i liked about um the one with joe was obviously there was a there was a very much a drying line at the time he was having to go out on the much wetter wetter part of the circuit on the inside into the corner to and obviously bring it to a stop in that in that different surface so i think that one probably ekes out on the on the ricardo one for me even though the location of the ricardo one's a little bit more impressive the 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 tire difference kind of made it a lot easier for him i think that one yeah totally so that's that then uh let's go for last award honestly what the are we doing here Oh, go on. I mean, what we got? we've got. We've already talked about putting I mean, the wrong rule in the race notes. That's ludicrous. Yeah, yeah that's. Just I've got weird. that. Do you know? Um, can I be really pedantic for a second? Sure. Do you know? Go on. The thing that irks me most about that is that when he used that excuse, he said he cut and pasted it from last year, which implies if you go back to last year's race notes, the rule would just oh, be missing. No. 
because he said cut and paste and not oh, copy he and paste. It and and pedantically, paste. that really bothers me. <laughs> yeah, Do you know what? It took me a minute to realise where you were going with that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Actually, I think you're fine. God's sakes, Chris. <laughs> you copy pasted. I should have that. And do you know what? I've realised reala- <laughs> that I've been misquoting him on, for, on that exact same principle that I've knowingly been saying copy pasted because that's what because you're a reasonable he should have been doing. Because <laughs> yeah. you're computer literate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I know the difference between Command C and Command X. Yeah, okay. I know the difference. Okay. It's the keyboard podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Only if you're a Mac user, though. Yeah, those those command, shortcuts do not work on Windows. Um, <laughs> yeah, Command Control D is deleted. Anyway, what am I doing? Why am I getting sucked into this? Um, I have made just that, press Alt F four. Everyone, Mac, Alt F four right as now. A Mac and Windows. No, don't do that because you're supposed to be listening to us. Um, <laughs> As a Mac and Windows user, I no, I'm not letting I'm not letting you talk about computers anymore. I'm not letting you do it. We talk Command about Formula Q. One. Command Q, right, stop it. Command Q on your podcast player stop right it. now. Um, <laughs> yeah, wrong oh. wrong rule and race. I think like a, a big problem I have with it is like as soon as they make a mistake like that, or as soon as like they have to issue some kind of clarification, you can just hear Twitter erupting. Saying, "Oh, they've just—that's just an excuse. They've just fiddled the rules for Red Bull." Yeah, that's what you—that's literally all the internet was talking about after that happened. Like so many tweets saying stuff like that, and that's while it's probably not the case, you can understand why people would think that when it is does seem like such a roundabout excuse of they don't do themselves any favors, do they? Yeah, it felt a lot like they were letting them off the hook. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it happens with whoever benefits, doesn't yeah, it? Like, always. how how many years did they call at the FIA Ferrari International? Yeah, and all the Ferrari fans. Was. That, that was mean? the most hilarious thing about it. All these Ferrari fans <laughs> going, "Oh, Rebel, just r- r- f- corruption in the FIA. Christian Horner's <laughs> yeah. got control of the FIA. Blah blah blah." And I'm like, "Hang on a minute." Ferrari's international <laughs> assistance was, used to be the acronym that they used yeah. to use against it. Calm yourselves. Down. I can't. There was there was a good one during the Mercedes era where quite a few decisions used to go Mercedes way in, in the last like five or six years, but I can't remember what that one was. It was never as good as Ferrari and Shashal yeah. Assistance. That's that's always no, that's so definitely the best fit. I remember 100%. the first time I think Chris you said that to me years and years and years ago, <laughs> and I was in stitches. Even I remember you telling me we were like in a pub in Huddersfield or something. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I don't know if I don't know if that yeah. does get my vote though. I think I'm maybe. The thing that's standing out to me most is just that blue flags don't seem to matter anymore. Like, what what happened to blue flags? That do you know what that that was up there for me is like just how long Albon was allowed to get away with essentially. It's just weird. Yeah, that was someone um, up through blue that flags was after swear blue word, flags, wasn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like the the thing the thing is for me with that is yes, there's a racer in them that's like well. I'm fast enough to stay ahead of him. I don't agree with the fact that I'm getting blue flags, but the point is you're getting the blue flags whether you agree with them or not. (laughs) Like, the rule is the rule. Like, (laughs) so it's it's tough. (laughs) Like, it's not like like the whole um, let your teammate through, like, no, I don't want to. I'm faster than him. Like, that's a slightly different debate to be had because it's not a rule that's been enforced. Mm. But if you're told by the stewards or... Marshals, whoever it is that's like making the decision, blue flag, move. move out of the way. That is your like 
you have a right to nothing yeah. else other than to move. I think I think my so. my sort of main candidate is probably the uh your Formula One, you need your start lights to function in order to start your race. <laughs> I think like I mean it is a getting good the basics right and then just communication around it as well. You know, that whole scenario mm. was just bonkers. Like it's absolutely bizarre that we were in a situation where the race wasn't starting what we, and everyone thought it was because we're a bit scared of rain and actually it's because the bloody lights aren't working <laughs> like yeah a the lights should be working they should be waterproof i've said it already on the podcast not in the labor it and b it, it's it's getting the basics right like the simple things simple you know communication transparency goes so much further than this sort of cloak and dagger let the internet make it let reddit make its own mind up you know yeah so yeah. yeah that's mine i think just yeah. you know have the equipment to start a race that works that's my basic one just um as an honorable mention this is not like a proper candidate but i do want to point out that um throughout the entirety of the race alan mcnish on f1 tv called guan yu zoo <laughs> and that was a wtf for me that no matter how often someone said joe to him he continued oh, to call him that's Zoo. That's awkward. And it, it just frustrated the heck out of me, the fact that he wasn't saying the guy's name right, despite being able to hear everyone else say it right. He was just like adamant, like, nope, this is the way I'm saying it. I'm going to continue it's to do it. It's funny how people do that, um, isn't it? Mm. When I go into Starbucks, mm. I always get called Steve. people don't seem to like you know you have to give your name in any situation and if it's someone who doesn't speak very good english you'll say Stu, and they'll go steve Steve. and i'll go no 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 Stu, and they'll say steve and i just go yeah steve (laughs) every single time Oh, I've lost it now. That's it. Can we give the award to something? Um, I'm just going to go blue flags. Okay, oh. <laughs> that's what well, I'm picking. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go. Why are the lights at Monaco not waterproof like they are everywhere yeah, else in the world? The lights. Yeah, mine's the lights. All right, I'm going down yeah, I'm wet. Going, lights. I'm going with wet lights. I'm going with Steve on this one. It's mental. <laughs> I agree with Steve. Um, right, okay. So just a quick mention before we get on to predictions and the like. Um, Formula F1 driver Marcus Ericsson won the Indy 500 the same day the Monaco GP was being run. Um, so, yeah, uh, very, very big congratulations to Marcus. Um, second Swedish winner in 20-something years, am I right, Sarah? <laughs> She'll tell me the exact figure. Being a fellow Swede, um, twenty three, I think it was, but yeah, very, very impressive, um, very entertaining race. Yeah, it really was overall as well. It has like a four so. lap, four lap dash to the end, wasn't it? Like after a, yeah, like that a was like that was absolute madness. Wasn't yeah, it? like all that, two, yeah, what hundred and yeah. ninety six laps, and then just four. Well, two. It was really a yeah. two lap sprint to the end because by the time the safety yeah, got basically around, laps, um. The weaving yeah. as well. As yeah. it was just like oh, the, we- the weaving to try and break the tour yeah. was mad, wasn't it? Was it? it? Interesting, mad. actually. Um, I saw an interview with Eric after the race, and um, Dario Franchitti is like a driver advisor to kind of that stable of drivers. And he said the day before he yeah. was changed, Dario Franchitti, who's obviously won everything going in IndyCar. Yeah. And one of the things I were talking about is literally what to do in that situation. Like, 
if you're coming up to the end and it's you know like just after a caution, what's the best approach to holding on to the lead in those closing laps? And they literally discussed that exact situation coming up, and he wow. just executed it perfectly. It and it was unbelievable defense from O'Ward in those last couple of laps. Really exciting. Yeah, yeah. The the Chip, Chip Ganasses and the McLarens were going like back and forth for quite a lot of that race, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, McLarens um, were really good the whole race. So, Ericsson yeah, took really, a few out though, didn't he? Really good. Saw a few cars go out of that race. Must have been Ericsson that came in. Hundred percent. He took fun, funnily enough. Funnily enough, he took out Grosjean. Was it not Grosjean that <laughs> said, "I yeah, think Ericsson hit us"? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Grosjean went out of the race. It must it have must been Ericsson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gold! Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Right, I'm going to move us on to predictions. Oh. Um, so. Um, the the highest score this weekend overall was a three. Lots of people got it. Too many to mention. I'm sorry. There's a lot of you. Um, um, interestingly, quite a lot of people who got the three actually had Leclerc, fastest qualifier, Perez winner. It was more popular than I actually thought it would be when I came to look at the results. Um, and the huge numbers of people also got 17 finishes so that's quite a popular combo um few people in there got like lewis's position instead of uh perez to win or magnuson first dnf for perez to win but yeah generally speaking the the winning combo was charles leclerc qualifier perez winner and 17 finishes so congrats to anyone out there that got those three points um Chris, you just got the one point, I believe, if I remember yeah. right. Yes, you did. You got the 17 finishes. We were so wrong, um, Stu. And, what were we thinking? We weren't and yeah, just Stu, sadly, nothing. jumping on that Mercedes train. Yeah. I don't know, mm. what, don't know what we were doing. Uh, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> I don't think we were thinking. No. I think that's. Yeah. The, I think the Copy thing that's really year, killing maybe. me this year is the pressure of doing it on the show. This year, because I'm mm-hmm. say I'm just making silly decisions and rushing without actually really <laughs> giving it any thought before the episode. So this yeah. does feel like yeah. the hardest year we've had to do this, and I f- maybe we say that every year, but it mm. feels like the hardest year since we've been doing this podcast to do the predictions this early. Yeah, but, but, well, I think last year was very difficult as well, but I think the year before that was easy because you just get Hamilton, Hamilton. That's yeah, exactly. A couple of points every every what every every race, but just about every race. But now, I mean, last year and this year, definitely. Last year, you didn't know whether it was going to be Verstappen or Hamilton. That's a fifty-fifty, and so that's mm. you. You know, your Q three and your win are really, really difficult difficult to get, and everything else is always just as hard yeah. anyway. So, yeah, I'm I'm struggling mm. this year, but I'll get some points <laughs> on the board. Still early days. Yeah, I think I've got one point Still on the board. Early. So. You've got the one. Off the mark. Yeah. Uh, um, and, and in first place, Tom Thorne only has 14 points. Ah, it's nothing. So you're not that far off. It's nothing. Three really. races. You'll be right on that. Seven, ra- two seven, clean sweeps seven races in. Easy, two. Easy. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you what, that shows how hard it is probably this year that after seven races, the leader has an average of two points per race. Oh, there we go. So there you go. Easy. Uh, but easy yeah, game. alluded to it there. Tom Thorne is our current leader on 14 points. Uh, Luke Cowley is in second place on 13 points overall. Um, and oh, actually, there's quite a few people tied for second. I apologise. Gary Vinal, Jana Berger, 
uh, Vinnie Blanco all tied on second with 13 points. So extremely close at the top. Um, in terms of us, as you we just covered, you have the solitary point, I'm afraid. Chris, you are now on nine points after picking up one this week, and I am on 11, pulled away from you a little bit with my three oh, this week. <laughs> it's painful for Stu. Okay. Very painful. A uh, quick dip into official F1 fantasy. Um, in terms of this weekend for Monaco, our overall winner was Liam M with 247 points, taking advantage of a mega driver. Um, so well done to you, Liam, your mega driver of Bottas. Scoring some points probably helped out quite a bit there, actually. Although you must be good you didn't make your mega driver Perez since I was in your team, because that would have been a worldy of a choice. <laughs> Because I believe you can do that. I don't think there's a restriction on your Mega Driver, is there? Turbo Driver, yes. Mega Driver, no. Can't remember. Can't remember. It's ages since I used mine. <laughs> I used mine back in Australia. So. <laughs> <laughs> don't know. Forgot. Um, yeah. Uh, overall, though, in official F1 fantasy, we are still being led by team owners. Uh, so Stephen is still winning on 1,532 points. Very close, though, because Alpine is literally two points behind on 1,530. And then in third, we've got Scoot, who um, still have a Mega Driver to use and have 1,469 points. So all to play for there, I think. All to play for there. And heading over to Grid Rival um, this week, our overall winner is, let me find it. I've gone to the wrong thing. Uh, Stevie B12 with 981 points. Uh, that's the most points we've had scored this week. Um and the biggest place jumps, Shake Jake has jumped forty six places overall in the league. Damn. Uh so that's pretty impressive. I've gone backwards, I've noticed. I've gone from fifty fifth to seventy seventh. So that's not good. I need to work out what I've done wrong. Um Darth Tater is still our leader on six thousand eight hundred and thirty seven points. Greenland and Core has jumped to second, six hundred six thousand eight hundred and twenty six points. And um I'm I'm not gonna be able to say this right. ID Depraz, I hope that's right. Uh jumps up into third with six thousand seven hundred and fifty-six points. So still still quite close there. People are chopping and changing out of that top top three week on week. Make sure you renew your contracts, people. Keep your lineups complete. It's critical. Oh, I always forget that happens. It's critical. Mm. If you want to get involved with any of that, head to backofthegrid.com. You can register for Predictions League and there's a page for Back of the Grid Fantasy and you can join the official Fantasy F1 League and you can also join Grid Rival. Both are on there. Go website. Um, That's about it for that, I think. Should we do uh, some inbox? Let's. Yep. Is. Uh, keep it saying now. Stay, stay out. <laughs> Box now, box, box now, box for hard. Stay out, stay out, stay out. Hey man. <laughs> what, what I, I apologise <laughs> to Ferrari fans listening. Absolutely triggering. <laughs> Look at the Discord. It just go mental. I, we couldn't. We couldn't I, not. Discord. Discord. Discord has gone mad over that. Um, I do genuinely think that the permanent box, box, box should now be uh, Leclerc's engineer, <laughs> just forever. Anyway, not necessarily that whole full version, but 
we should use his box, go on a bit, box, doesn't it? boxes. Yeah, it's a bit long. Yeah. Um, next, who's going first? <laughs> uh, I can go first. At least one of you um, two, yeah. <laughs> Mike P asks, with a third of the season complete, how successfully do you think the new car regulations have achieved F1's goals? Have we really had a third of the season now? I guess we have, haven't we? Seven races? Yeah. Jeez. We're pretty much there, aren't we? More or less. I would say pretty well, I think. Um, I think we've seen enough different kinds of circuit now and seen evidence of cars being close together at most of them to say, yeah, for the most part, that seems to be doing what they're supposed to. Yeah, I don't think it was ever going to improve Monaco, was it? <laughs> well, no. <laughs> like... No, I mean, Spain was a great race, wasn't <laughs> it? So it was always going to yeah. be, yeah. That it's, that's be a it. proving ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that that's it. Races like that being improved, to me, show it's working. Um, I think... This was never going to be, going to be affected. I think, think, you know what? I think Baku, next time out, is going to be... You're going to see passes and repasses down that straight. <laughs> Yeah. Because they can follow each other so closely now. They're going to be really close to each other mm. into that final corner and able to carry the speed through there and stay in touch. That People will be holding off on overtakes. There's going to be some real nuance to overtaking down on that track next race. Yeah. A little bit of that gamesmanship that we've seen from Leclerc against Verstappen in, in earlier races where like just trying to... And Bahrain as well, just like kind of letting someone have a corner because you know that you're going to get DRS yeah. somewhere else or get a better run at them somewhere else and, you know, all that chopping and changing. So be interesting to see how that plays out in Baku yeah. for sure. I think it's going to be it. fireworks in Baku. I really do. It's going to be shenanigans. Yeah. Um, yeah. Next one uh, is Jose V. If you could get rid of any F1 track race country what would it be i guess I'm, I'm assuming just from the formula one calendar i don't want to just obliterate a country um, <laughs> um, i personally choose hungary even if they have an awesome track what, what would you get rid of what race would you guys get rid of i think we've done this one we've probably done this one a million times before but it's always fun to revisit off the top of my head pick a race to get rid of um singapore I, yeah, it might be. I know a lot of people like it, but I've never... I've always struggled to enjoy Singapore, if I'm honest. It's a long. very long one, Singapore, isn't yeah. it? And I, I can imagine the drivers wouldn't be too fussed if you got rid of it with the amount of heat and exhaustion they go through doing that race and the humidity. Yeah. Um, like Spain would be an obvious answer a lot of the time, but this year Spain was pretty good. Like Paul Ricard sounds like yeah. an obvious answer, but actually I've... I think new cars at Pori Carb might actually not work too badly. Yeah, yeah, Singapore um, for me. I'm gonna be, re- I'm, I'm gonna be really like upsetting people and triggering people and just say Monaco. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's well, what yeah. they were going for. That's what that's what Jose is going for. <laughs> that, I, I just want to know why Jose wants to get rid of Hungary. It's an amazing race, especially if you can go visit it. I know I bang on yeah, about I mean, it all well, the time. How there. much fun it is to visit, but. Like it is. Yeah, it is <laughs> if you can, if you get the opportunity, yeah, please do it. Um, don't don't destroy it, please. What would I get rid of? 
I mean, if you really want to trigger people, you say Silverstone. <laughs> oh, it's difficult. I think probably Singapore is up there, but I, I also think, I don't think Imola was all that. I think Imola is like not that interesting of a circuit. Mm. I don't know about you guys, but like some people love I it. I like it as a circuit. I don't. I like I the idea F1's of one's outgrown it. Yeah, yeah. I like the mm. idea of Imola, but yeah, the maybe. actual reality of Imola is the same with Monaco. That's the best way of summing it up, actually. Yeah. The idea mm. of Monaco is fantastic. Like it's such a good idea on paper. In reality, yeah. <laughs> it's just not it's what dull. you want it. Well, not what you want from a Formula One race. Anyway, I think that no. covers it. Cool. I'll read the next one then. Uh, Kilowog asks, at what point does the uh, inconsistent race direction between uh, the two of them move from curious and a novel talking point after the race to being a... Sorry, a curious and novel talking point to being a race-altering issue? Uh, the lack of consistency from week to week is giving Mr. Massey a run for his money. And David Sino also asked a similar question of, uh, do we need to bring Massey back at least... <laughs> He made it exciting and certainly wouldn't call a virtual safety car when a car has literally been <laughs> split in half on the track. Um, so, I will say in defense of the virtual safety car thing, but unbelievably, because they rarely do this, they actually explained that decision after the race. <clears throat> Their reasoning for it was VSC <clears throat> neutralizes everyone, leaves everyone in the gaps allows everyone to kind of slowly trundle past and then they could bring the safety car out straight in front of the leader, which meant there was no need to faff around letting um, lap cars through or, or like letting those at the back go around and stuff. And as a result, it made the safety car period shorter because they didn't have to do as much faffing around because they were able to just pick up the leader straight away, which actually kind of makes so sense. Were essentially, yeah, so they're essentially using the virtual safety car as a tool to slow everyone down for the safety car to then pick up the race leader yeah. correctly which is actually straight away kind of smart which That's makes sense sensible when, yeah. when you when you understand that but again there's a little clarity i mean a little clarity has helped mm -hmm. i guess because they've discussed it afterwards so, so i'll give them that does make sense what i won't give them yeah. is in formula two like there was more tractors on track and dangling cars over race track shenanigans that was just like not calling safety cars virtual safety cars they needed to do like i think we just we talked yeah. about this when they announced they were getting rid of massey rights it was like are you just making him a scapegoat bringing some new people in but the fundamental problems remain and the answer to that on that evidence would be yeah yes. and like okay we're only seven races in no one's gonna be perfect from the start I want to see some improvement because a lot of the concerns I've had yeah. around race direction for the last few years kind of seem to still be there. Yeah. Which is a worry. Yeah. yeah. It, yeah, it just really makes the whole like, <clears throat> I think what frustrates me is like they make a big deal out of like wearing jewelry and then they'll stick a tractor yeah. onto a live they're race track, and it's like, okay. They're definitely spending too mm. much time worrying about people's <laughs> pants and jewellery, aren't they? And not yeah. even time about yeah. actual, you know, what's going on on the track. If you're going to play the safety card, yeah. like, do safety properly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I was I was hoping that Herbie Blash being there to assist both of them during their, the fact that they're alternating would have maybe added some consistency, mm -hmm. but I'd I don't know that it is. Maybe 
Maybe we need to get Herbie a little bit more involved. Big Herb. Possibly. Maybe he's t- taking too much of a back seat and kind of letting him do their own thing for fear of like overruling them and overstepping the mark. But maybe that's exactly what he actually needs for the consistency of it. And, you know, his experience with someone like Charlie um, bringing that to the table. Yeah. I will say just quickly yeah. on the jewellery thing, it did make me laugh that they made this big deal. It's like, oh, well, we'll give you until Monaco, but he'd better be gone by then. And Hamilton just turned up with no intention of changing. <laughs> they were like, oh, we'll give you one more race, but it'd better be gone by the next one. Like, mm. Stupid. whole thing's stupid. It's ridiculous. It's not happening. It's um, not happening. Next one. Chris? Is it me? It's me. Yeah, it is. From yeah. J Tunks. As F1 grows outside of Europe, can F1 be more flexible in start times for some, uh, not all races, to suit other time zones? It's it's a difficult one, this, isn't Mm. it? Like I've said quite a few times before, I used to kind of like the element of when a race was like in Southeast Asia or something like Japan, Australia, I kind of liked the prospect of that weird time that you had to be up and about to watch it. Um, but I think the most you're probably going to get is probably what we've got now and, uh, like, where the races that are in those respective regions are sort of run at a time that's around about early afternoon and kind of because it plays out. I mean, the American one's been early afternoon kind of plays out okay for Europe, across Europe, doesn't it? I don't know about... I'm trying to think what it'd be for sort of Southeast Asia and Australia yeah. and I stuff. Mean, it's going to be like very early hours in the like morning, not, probably, like I guess. in the States. Like, it depends on the coast, but it's mm. like sort of... Well, it, yeah, it depends on which, which, race you, yeah. which race you go into. And which, because Australia, which Australia you're, you're up at like... Well, you're probably getting practice at like 10 p.m. Practice yeah. one at like 10 p.m. And that part of the world definitely has its hardest. Yeah. I think like it depends. Look, for me, the way this is going to pan out really over the next sort of few years is going to be Formula One are always looking at like where their audience is, where is their biggest audience. And it really depends, I think, on how much the sport continues to grow in the States. I think there is a possibility that yeah. race start times could sort of change a little change around a little bit it has already happened somewhat like before you know there are eight i would say races are generally a little bit later now than on average across the season than they were probably 10 yeah. years ago um that's, but that's when, when i started working at f1 like they were all they were always sort of like 12 o'clock starts and i've just been starting later and later and later it feels like when i have been working there so yeah well the, the general the general sort of average i would say over the course of a season for us in the uk is about 3 p.m isn't it in the afternoon maybe maybe 2 p.m yeah right. it's Probably like 2 p.m i'd say mid, like mid, 2 p.m's that, always that mid afternoon your marco was mm. always 2 p.m i've seen a lot more sort of 3 p.m starts this season but then we're early season and there's been a few flyaways and stuff but i think yeah. the, the, the yeah. point i'm trying to make is they're always going to cater towards wherever their largest audience is that makes the most mm. sense yeah so Yes, as you're, there's a balance to strike, right? So there's like when the live audience who are going to be there at the race are able to get there and within a reasonable time and you know have a good time while they're there, and then there's the the, the greater audience watching back home. And really, at the mm-hmm. end of the day, as long as the punters can get there to see it on race weekend and sit in the grandstands and spend their money, 
then that's priority really. And then after that, if you can tweak it a little bit to just cater that little bit more for the people back home, then fair enough. Yeah. But yeah. Like it's, it's never going to be mean, easy to please everyone. There's, there's more races, you know, when you, when you think of including Canada, Brazil, Mexico, there's more races in the sort of general America's time zone now than there's ever been before. Yeah. There's no way that's by accident. Yeah. So it's definitely yeah. like, moving to cater that market more but yeah all of that yeah, and does then, and suck in, in australia and in certain parts of the world i guess you've got like evening races and dusk races and stuff that again sort of cater back more towards the european and americans america's audiences and again probably quite sucky if you're an australian because if they're racing at like Eight o'clock at night in Abu Dhabi, it's probably gone midnight yeah. again, I would have guessed, in, in Australia, depending on where in Australia you are. So it basically sucks to be an Australian F1 fan, full stop, I think, for, for more reasons than just that. Yeah, well, that's the other thing, isn't it? If you really, really, really want to watch it, you'll stay up and watch it. Like, it doesn't really matter I mean, I know, what time it's on. Yeah, or you'll get up and yeah. watch it. We, no, we've always done it. Australia, like up at what, 5 a.m. some years, <laughs> Japan, China, I, yeah. you know, all those races. I think. I think the reason I feel more sorry for them than like sort of saying I used to do it so it's fine is when we used to wow. do it, it was like two or three yeah. races it's a, a season for and for for them now it's a 20 something race <laughs> season and there's like one that's in their time zone. Yeah. So I do definitely feel it's a rough. lot more sorry again, for them. And, and as Sarah's pointed out it's it's the early hours of a Monday morning for them as yeah, well. I mean, like, they they're getting up at 9am for work. That does suck. a lot of them yeah, probably. There's enough highlights and there's enough internet in the world these days that you can just catch up on, you know, on your you own. You have to pick terms, and choose what you watch live, yeah. don't you? I guess. Yeah, and I think like that's yeah, the way the broadcast so. media is going anyway. Is that everyone these, you know, look at Netflix. I mean, God, it's been it's already happened. I say it's the way it's going. It's the way it's gone. Like people watch content when they want to watch it, not when it's on. That's why F1 mm. TV exists, so people can do that. I will admit that is one thing that f1 tv in itself is very good at um like when i so with me being away this weekend for touring cars i watched the grand prix once i got back at like 10 p.m obviously my phone was in like do not disturb mode <laughs> the entire day so i didn't get like twitter notifications and the like but when i actually went on the f1 tv app to you know to watch the race there was nothing on there that suggested anything other than there's a race that you need to here, watch. Here is like, race. You can, do you? Yeah. Do you? Do you want to watch this three and a half hour spectacular, <laughs> <laughs> or do you, or do I mean, you want the, to the watch the highlights? You, you got to skip the hour of nothing. Yeah. Well, I did. I did say that. I got to skip like at least ninety minutes. I think of that yeah. three and a half hour. Ninety minutes of Martin Rundle so. not having any of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I didn't have any of it. <laughs> Literally, didn't have any of it. The next one then. Jay Alexander says, with the effective number two drivers of their respective teams in Sainz and Perez forcing themselves to the front this week, how do you think this alters the dynamics within their respective teams? I think at Red Bull, it has no effect whatsoever. <laughs> Absolutely none. <laughs> it should, it but it doesn't. Yeah. Ferrari, though, Ferrari, if science can keep it up and get and you know claw some of those points back and get them more close to each other, then I think he... I, I believe in science. I think he could be a factor still this season. Yeah, like, obviously it was disappointing for him that he didn't get the win, but 
that aside, this was very much a drive and a result that he needed. And yeah, if he can like build on this and get some momentum, like he could really easily start closing that gap up again. Yeah, especially the mistakes yeah. Leclerc's I'd... been making as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I hope that it's like you say something that just instills a bit of confidence for him, gets him back on track. Yeah, it could go either way, couldn't it? That's... Like coming second and not coming that close to winning could either break you or it could make yeah. you. In and I think science mm. really at the minute he really could go either way with him. It's hard to tell because he's suffering a bit and he's not quite figured out the car yet. Yeah, it's two years in a row he's like come exceptionally close to that as well, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's. That's maybe going to wear on him the next time we go to Monaco, should we go to Monaco, if it ever <laughs> happens. Um, uh, next one, is it me that's next? I think it is, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, Albert's asking, uh, will Ferrari ever be able to win a championship with their current strategists? <laughs> Straight to the point. Hmm. Um, they would have had. They would have compromised Sainz um, if he wasn't out there for himself to intervene, and it felt a little like Vettel was doing for most of his time at Ferrari. Mm. There is a weakness yeah. there. There's a we- there's a definite weakness at, at Ferrari. I think we've seen it for a yeah. number of years now. A, a weakness in the strategy department for sure. I think it's 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 sometimes there's a paralysis. It feels like a, an inability to make decisions, and I think some of that probably comes from a, a, a bit of bad communication. I think. You saw it this weekend. You saw, we've mentioned it already. You saw how bad the communication was. And mm-hmm. that bad communication is the ultimate energy of any strategy. Because if people don't know what yeah. they're doing, how the hell are they supposed to enact the strategy? So and we've talked about it in the past, true. haven't we? This is not the first time we've talked about Ferrari just communication seeming to be a struggle for them at times. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was. I was hopeful that they'd started to get on top of that and like kind of worked on it because he's definitely not been as bad as recent seasons. But then this was, you know, just straight back to old form, I think. And it was a little disappointing to see them just disintegrate so quickly in like a high pressure scenario like what we were in. Um, But I mean, we've seen Mercedes struggle a little bit with strategy like this last year or so, I think. So it's not just them that are that fallible. But, I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? It's yeah. hard. If it was easy, everyone yeah. would be. It's doing not. It. It's not an easy job. I d- <laughs> exactly. I don't. I don't envy the the strategists and the engineers and everyone that has to uh, deal with this in general. That gift, Chris. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, um, there's literally no context that no, I can provide that for there anyone. There is a gift. It is pre- funny. on audio. Yeah. There is a gif in Discord, and it is yeah, amusing. Next one. Here's here's something that on that that won't be happy listening for Ferrari fans that I read um, earlier on today. Leclerc's lost. Depends depends how you work it out, but Leclerc's lost about fifty points over the last three races. One of them down to him making a mistake. One of them down to a mechanical problem. And now one of them down to strategy team making a poor strategy choice, which it's one thing when you're losing points because of one recurring problem, but when you're losing points for different problems at different times, bleeding points from every orifice. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, um, not good. 
Not good. Not good. They need to get their act together. He's not good as well when the person that's right on his tail chasing him is still beating him from that threatening team yeah. there in, in Perez. And like, I mean, Russell's even between him and Science. Yeah. He's got Perez and Russell before Science. Um, so like the the buffer of the the points he's dropping being picked up by his teammate just isn't even there either uh, because of Science's recent form. So I think there's there's more going back to the other question, I guess. Oh no, it's still the same yeah. question. This isn't it. Like it's not just the strategy thing that's going to be a problem that's going to stop Ferrari winning any titles. It's their own drivers at times throwing away points and making mistakes. So. There's no way over a season they're going to beat Red Bull the way mm-hmm. they currently are performing. Unfortunately, not at the minute. Not at the minute. Mm-hmm. If if Leclerc comes away with that title. I I think it might have been something we were saying at the start of the season, but I think if Leclerc comes away with that title, Red Bull still come away with the constructors for me. As it's the as the way it's going at the minute, that's how I'd see it playing out, and that's only if Leclerc can keep in touch with Verstappen. And at the minute, I don't know if he will. Yeah, they really so, need Mercedes yeah. to come into the mix and start nicking points off Red Bull. That's what that's nicking what, points. That's what's going to mm. save Ferrari, I think towards the end of the season if if mm. mercedes aren't beating them because you know it's a matter of time i keep saying it, <laughs> yeah it could go either way couldn't it they're gonna come back you you don't count them out yet yeah so yeah cool next one mm, last one next one last from michelle who drives for mclaren f1 first pato award or colton herter in an actual scene uh, not in practice um I mean, given given contract situations, technically it would be Colton Herter that has the first opportunity to move. Technically speaking, yeah, because I think he's only got the, either this year or this and next contracted in to Andretti. Although, and Pato Pato's just literally just done a new deal, hasn't it? Till twenty twenty five or something was it? A new three year deal. So we were talking about this in Discord over the weekend. Um yeah, so he's got a new a new deal with Aaron McLaren, which is the IndyCar team, up to twenty twenty five. The discussion we were having was is that a Red Bull style contract where he has a contract yeah, with could well McLaren be. as yeah. an entity. And probably whether that means IndyCar, F one Formula E, Extreme E, there's a lot of different um, places the McLaren drive yeah. land these days. And I suspect it's probably that kind of contract for him because... I think so too. Yeah, he's he's showing all the right signs for it. I mean, wild one, but award, Ricardo, switcheroo. <sighs> you heard it here them. first. No, you didn't hear it here first. Them. Didn't hear it at first because it's probably been on the internet a lot. Everything's I said been it, on the internet. Don't worry could... about that. Everything's on Reddit. <laughs> Literally everything <laughs> is on Reddit. Yeah, but I ain't used Reddit this week, so because I was avoiding the results of the race. <laughs> Therefore, it's my own idea. This one. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, to be brutally honest, as things are at the minute, I wouldn't really object to that. You know, I'd love to see Ricardo go have a go at IndyCar. I mean, I, I think, think enjoy Ricardo, if he was going to go, I think if Ricardo was going to go have an attempt at one of the American motorsports, though, he'd probably want to go at NASCAR rather than IndyCar. But who knows, man? Like, who knows? I mean, why? why yeah. just, I mean, if you're going to do that, you might as well go and drive supercars in Australia. That's 
Yeah, yeah, but that's just back home, isn't it? Like, I think the the appeal for him is the the, the thing is like Ricardo's roots really come from um, Dale Earnhardt, wasn't yeah. it? That's who. That's, that's who. Guy. Like, he loved watching as a kid. It's the reason he runs three. Like, there's there's a, there's a whole backstory to him and and that. So I think it would definitely appeal to him. Um, but I can't see that being something McLaren would ever touch. So I think if the whole switcheroo thing was to happen, it would be like Pato for Daniel yeah. and Daniel having an attempt at IndyCar. I don't hate that. I think Which, I think Ricardo I mean, would kill it in IndyCar. It, I think he'd do really well. Yeah. But and then have a if, he, if he somehow... 100% he'd rather have a Formula 1 title, but I'd say he'd, he'd have a decent go at the Indy 500, and then he's he's got two of the triple crown. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's a good, that's he's a on really he's good on point. he's on some good standing if he if he manages that, and you know full well that he'd get in a decent team in in WEC to have a go at Le Mans. Yeah. Like he could like he said himself, I'm in my 30s now, and I know that this isn't going to last. Like F1 isn't going to last forever. He doesn't see himself as like Alonso who just keeps coming back. It, like I. It, He's looking at what his exit options are, I think, mm -hmm. and I would honestly could see him like having a few goes at Indy Five Hundred, having a few goes at Le Mans, and maybe sealing that, and then like do Kimmy and just go NASCAR for a race <laughs> or two, just just for the laugh. Like I'm not quite retired. I'm going to do some NASCAR. Kimmy Raikkonen does <laughs> so, what he wants. He really does. Kimmy Raikkonen does what he wants. Yeah, suffers no fools. Does what he wants. <laughs> Alonso would be livid if Ricardo yeah. went and got the triple crown, wouldn't he? Oh yeah, hundred percent pleased. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think that rounds us off for this week, doesn't it? Yeah. At that point, that that juncture. Um, right. So that is, that is it for this week. So thank you to everyone who's joined us for this. Um, we are going to be back next week, looking ahead to Baku and the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. If you'd like to get in touch with us in the meantime, you can do so by searching for Back of the Grid on Twitter, Facebook. Instagram uh, and then head to backofthegrid.com where there's a contact us form if you want to do it that way and you're not really a fan of the social medias that's perfectly fine with us um, you can also register for predictions league and get into the fantasy leagues from there as we said earlier uh, but yeah that rounds us off for this week so thank you again for joining us um, thank you to our lovely discord community who are part of the Patreons um, if you'd like to get involved with that head to patreon.com forward slash backofthegrid and everything is on there. All the levels include being able to get in that Discord and get involved with us live every week. So do so if you are interested. Uh, that is it. So I will say goodbye, and you two can say goodbye. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.